Today on the Orthodox Ethos Podcast, the coronavirus, a crisis of soul and body, a sign of our times as the end times, and the faithfulness of the prophet Daniel as an example for the last Christians. Today, the world is facing a universal crisis, a crisis not just of the body. First and foremost, for many people, this is how they are viewing it. But it is also a crisis of the soul. It is a crisis of the spirit. It's a crisis for us Orthodox Christians. And there are many questions being asked. And I have a few of my own that I'd like to direct to all of us, first to myself and to all of us in the Orthodox Church. And I'm wondering about our response. I'm wondering about how many of the Orthodox churches have chosen to deal with this crisis in relation to the health of its members, but also in, the relation, in relation to its stance toward the state. And I'm wondering, is it possible perhaps that we have succumbed to some wiles of the enemy in our pastoral response? It's a question for all of us to consider. Because is it possible for us to shut down the churches, keep people from the fount of incorruption, and yet do this out of love for our neighbor? Are the two greatest commandments at war with each other? Can we say we are doing God's will while we do not keep his commandments? For we have two basic commandments that we are not keeping when we shut down the churches. And that the first is that we Bless him in congregations, as it says in the Psalms, in congregations, bless ye the Lord. This is a commandment of our Lord. But more importantly, more basic and fundamental to our life as Christians is the commandment to eat his body and drink his blood in the Eucharist. The communion with our Lord is a sin qua non. It's something that is impossible for us to be separated from and not be uh, falling away from from God. This is a commandment that he has given us. And it's quite frightening for us to have separation from this. Is there no way for us to obey God rather than men? Have we exhausted all of the possibilities? Is it really impossible for us to commune with God in the Eucharist and love our neighbor? Did not the Archangel Gabriel say to Theotokos, With God, nothing shall be impossible. In this pandemic and our response to it, we see a sign of our times. God has allowed this trial. Yes, it's an instigation of the enemy. Yes, there's clearly the hand of the enemy at work here. Uh, But it's allowed by God. Nothing happens without it being allowed by God. And something he wants to get out of this for us, undoubtedly. And I believe it is to come for us to come to a better knowledge of self before worse trials begin. We need to see how in our stance and in our reaction to the threat of bodily death, which we should remember is a doorway to heaven for us. We readily expose ourselves to the threat of spiritual death, to spiritual death if we are separated for a long time from the fount of incorruption, the fount of life. 
In our response, we appear to, to differ only slightly from the world and those who are not of the church. We also appear to be fearful. And our decisions are driven in part by this fear, which, however, is unjustified. For we are no longer in bondage to the enemy through fear, to fear of death. Our Lord has assured us, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, the death of the body and the devil. These are no longer for us anything to be fearful of. Insomuch as some Orthodox have sped to close the churches, even before the state mandated it, and others have acquiesced quickly to the classification of the church and the divine liturgy as non-essential, non-essential activity. We have entered into very dangerous spiritual waters. Not in vain that our Lord likened to the, liken the last days to the events in the days of Noah. Brothers and sisters, a flood is coming. A flood of unbelief. A flood of faithlessness. A lack of trust in the theanthropic person of Christ. This is the temptation that is coming upon the whole world. Are we building our ark of faith? This is the time. It is already late. Noah spent decades and decades building his ark. Our time is short. We cannot, in our response, we cannot be saved by citing our great love of neighbor, for it is not possible for the horizontal bar on the cross to be at war with the vertical. It is not possible for the commandments to contradict themselves. The giver and the source is one. And we can and must find a way to carry out both commandments. Communion of the Mysteries, worshiping God in the churches, and loving our neighbor, and doing what is best for the well-being of our neighbor. There's a way forward. We must find it. Practical issues cannot overcome the basic principles. Our Lord is not that powerless. We have, we have become obstacles to Him working His miracles and Him protecting us. Uh, let us be on guard. Let us be on guard lest while boasting that we are sacrificing for the love of our neighbor, while not keeping the Lord's commandments, we are revealed as lovers of self. I wholeheartedly adopt for myself the statement of my fellow priest, Father Sergei Zvezhnikov. And he says, There is just something inconsistent about Christians who risk getting infected for stocking up toilet paper at Walmart and, and Costco, but are not willing to take a similar risk when it comes to going to church and communion of the Holy Mysteries. In all of this, we have a sign of our times as the end times. And it's apparent because of our weak faith, our lack of faith. According to the words of the Lord, where he says, When the Son of Man cometh, will he find, shall he find faith on the earth? So this is a sign of the end times, when Christians become weak in faith. Will we remain faithful? This is the most important question we need to ask ourselves. We are being tested this time. This time we are being tested. But soon the general rehearsal will end. And on center stage will be the main act, those days prophesied of. Whatever might happen, 
whatever challenge might come and comes to the faithful man. And this is not a great challenge at all compared to what will come for those of the end times. If someone has God as his master, he is not shaken, not in the least. And this is apparent in the story of the prophet Daniel in chapter 6 of the book of the, of the prophet, where we read, verse 4, The presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find occasion or fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. And then these men said, We shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So what did they do? Listen to what they did. Because in every age there are rulers who work by stealth and seek to wipe the worship of God the Trinity from the face of the earth. Ours is especially filled with such rulers. And it says in Scripture, Then these presidents, these princes, assembled together to the king, and they said to the king, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captives, have counseled, consulted together to establish the royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing, that it not be changed, according to the law of Medes and Persians, which altereth not. This was very deceptive and very smart, for it appears that they are establishing the power of the king, even as they are working to destroy his trusted servant and lock him into a decision that he will not want to make. By insisting that the law of the land, this become the law of the land, they are also making it very hard for the king not to enforce it. And the scriptures go on, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He didn't change because of the law. These men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Notice, the prophet did not consider it wise or prudent or pastoral or humble to avoid praying because such a law was passed. Listen to what the great elder Athanasius Metellinus says about this in 1981 in Greece. 1981, 40 years ago. Tomorrow, my children, you do not know what laws will be enacted. In a few years, who knows what kind of laws they will pass. There may be laws which will make it illegal for us to go to church. Indeed. What will we do? Will we start to take into account the laws of the state when they impinge upon our faith? Don't forget that the martyrs were, most, were the most important, and especially if they were soldiers, the bravest soldiers upon, who fought on behalf of the king. When, however, the decrees infringed upon their faith, they said, first in order the heavenly king, and then the earthly. End of discussion. Period. Pay attention to this point. And then he continues on elsewhere in his analysis of the scriptures. That is why I told you to always be ready and be on guard. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. I will only tell you this. 
the Antichrist will do this. He will do this. He will shut down the churches. And I'll tell you something else. He will not just shut them down for a time. He will entirely shut them down when he comes to power. A terrible persecution will be unleashed by the Antichrist. We know this of a certainty, and our fathers have forewarned us about it. So we must always be ready. But there's more for the story, from the story of the prophet Daniel and analysis. Listen to what Father Athanasius says a little bit further, which is very pertinent to our situation. So what did the prophet do with this pro provocation? They came and they reported him to the king, and he was threatened with throwing. He knew that he'd be thrown into the lion's den if he was caught. What did he do? His duty. He did his duty. He was a, he was a man of his word, both to the king, but more importantly to the Lord. What he did in his own home was of no concern to the king. He was going to do his duty. And for this reason, he did not hesitate to pray and indeed to say his prayers in a room which had large windows. He did this not in order to provoke them, but because he had the habit of praying in this way, with the windows open, looking toward Jerusalem. It was not to provoke but simply because he did not want to change the custom at all. He did not want to change his typicon, his prayer services, his order of services, his way of praying. In the least, he was a faithful man. Someone might wonder and say, why doesn't he just close the windows and say his prayers inside so that no one can see him? Uh, it's always, there's always a good, smart answer. Well, they say just Pull the curtains. And who would have seen him? But the elder Athanasius responds, His enemies would have simply gone on top of an adjoining housetop and seen within and say to themselves and to others, See, he's praying. He's praying inside. You see, they were ready to accuse him. So, don't be fearful. If we are afraid... We will not enter the kingdom of God. I repeat the words of the great elder. If we are afraid, we will not enter the kingdom of God. In the book of Revelation, the timid, who are precisely those who are afraid to confess their place and their stance as faithful, shall, quote, have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, unquote. The Holy Scriptures are timeless and always timely. There's always an answer to our current plight, our crisis, our so-called crisis. There's nothing new under the sun except, perhaps, the reign of quantity which we are living through right now. But that for another podcast. You see, my brothers and sisters, the only thing to fear is fear. Fear of faithlessness. The order, the odor of faith, fearfulness, the, the stench of fearfulness and timidness is a sure sign that the enemy is hidden nearby. When we see fear being wielded as a tool to control and herd humanity, and that is exactly what we're seeing right now, fear is being used as a tool and will be, I think, used even more so in the days ahead. 
no matter the excuse, no matter the urgent need that is presented, there's always an urgent need. There's always an excuse. We can be sure that the enemy has his hands in it. Prayer and humility and obedience to God. These are the essential ingredients. These are the essentials. They're not non-essentials. They're essentials. These are the essentials that make up a fearless stance. It is essential that we make no excuses for ourselves. And it is essential that right now we all double down on self-reflection, self-criticism, and self-knowledge. It is key. I want to read you something from the great elder St. Paisios about the man who is faithful and fearless. In his book on family life, page 213, he says, If one understands the mysteries of spiritual life and the mystical way of God in which he works, he ceases to worry. He ceases worrying over what happens to him. Because he accepts joyfully the bitter medicines that God gives him for the health of his soul. Such a person considers everything to be the result of his prayer, since he constantly asks God to purify his soul. So he considers everything to be the surgery, the, the uh, health program of God for the purification of his soul. But when people face their tribulations in a worldly manner, they are tormented. They are fearful. Since God follows all of us closely, we should surrender ourselves unconditionally to him. Otherwise, it becomes an endless torture for man. Are we, as Orthodox Christians, at peace with our response to this crisis, to this challenge? Are we at peace? Can we rejoice and praise God for the closing of our churches? Can we and are we filled with Paschal joy or even Lenten joyful sorrow locked in our homes? Are we thankful for the witness of our people before the unbelievers, the heterodox, and the heathen? Have we given an unique Orthodox response that only the Orthodox Church can give to this response? We need to be brutally honest with ourselves and admit our worldliness and our weakness. We have to humble ourselves and entreat the Lord to increase our faith, increase our trust, increase our desire for His second coming. In this stance, we will find mercy and our spiritual strength will increase and our self-knowledge, our self-knowledge will bring with it knowledge of God. Our God is a good God. He loveth mankind and he's ready to listen. But he waits on us. He respects our freedom. He treasures it even. He knocks at the door, but we have to open up. We have to put our trust in him to bring forth repentance, to imitate his extreme humility, in and through which he will quickly bring about our resurrection and make us worthy to celebrate Pascha again with him. In our next episode, we'll look at the guides available to us, the spiritual guides available to us in our quest for acquiring the Orthodox ethos. And we'll continue our look at the spiritual signs and lessons to be learned during this crisis, this so-called coronavirus crisis throughout the world. I hope you'll join me then.
Εξ των βήματων τη ζωή. 